Kubernetes community, and welcome back to the PodCTL podcast. We are coming to you live again. It's just me today. Tyler is out and about. I think he's on the other side of the world doing some uh, some Red Hat day job stuff. So it's just me today. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna fill in. We're gonna have some great guests today, and we're excited. Uh, really kind of excited today. One of the things that we've been wanting to dig into for a while is uh, is a topic called Helm, a technology called Helm, topic called Helm, and, and kind of the Helm community. And we've been bugging Michelle Norali for a while now. Um, you know, we've said before sometimes. Uh, you know, we've got guests line up, and then some things happen for scheduling. And um, we we had scheduled Michelle uh, around the time of KubeCon. She got kind of busy, obviously hosting KubeCon and. And uh, now hosting the uh, the Helm Summit that's coming up, but she gave us a great guest for today. So we're very very excited to have Taylor Thomas, who is software engineer at Nike, but also uh, kind of one of the core Helm maintainers. So we're really going to get a, a good opportunity to dig into Helm today with uh, with Taylor. So Taylor, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Yeah. So um, you know, before we dive into a bunch of stuff on Helm, um, give us a little bit of your background in terms of just you know the types of projects in the past that you've worked on as a software engineer and kind of what drew you to to want to work on Helm as a as a contributor. Well, my background has been a lot with uh, kind of as much as it's a buzzword DevOps type uh, jobs. Um, I jumped on the Docker train early when it was still very new, probably a year. Uh, old, and then the same thing happened with the Kubernetes. Um, and I started doing some work with Intel and Kubernetes. And then um, more recently, I've been doing Kubernetes work at Nike. And um, I've been one of the core maintainers for about a year. So I, I jumped into the Helm community. And uh, it, the reason why it really kept me there is that it's a very, the Kubernetes community is very open in general, but the Helm community feels very much like that it's very uh, open it's there's people there to answer questions you can even ask non-helm related questions and generally people have some ideas about what's going on and so it was just a very welcoming community and so easy to jump in and start helping that i just loved it and i've been doing it since then very cool very cool um and you're out in the portland area correct Yes, I am in the Portland area. Excellent. Very cool. So, you know, I, I know a lot of folks will be familiar with with Docker containers and, you know, some of them might say, okay, you know, I, I know how to build a Docker file or I know how to download a Docker file or maybe, maybe use something like Docker Compose. Like, why do I then need something like Helm as a, as a separate package manager? So can, can you give us a sense, just kind of the basics of, you know, what's the difference between what you know, Docker files do, and then where, you know, Helm starts to pick up and, and where it starts to intersect with, with Kubernetes. Yeah, so for kind of starting from that Docker container side, really, in terms of what Helm cares about with the Docker container is that you just specify one. Um, at its core, it's still just templated Kubernetes manifests, but um, it templates these things in such a way and packages them into a specific format. So Helm becomes now the package manager that you can use to install different pieces of software for Kubernetes. A lot of times you need something like an Nginx server or Kafka or some, something that you just need spun up with one of your applications. And instead of having to redefine your own manifest, you can just specify the, the values that you want to configure it with and then install it using Helm. Okay. And so that's, that's the kind of idea that, that Helm has Helm pitched and kind of came into is that that gap of, well, we want to reuse things. We want to have like packaged up applications. So you don't have to rewrite entire manifests every single time on your own. Right. Okay. And that makes sense. Cause a lot of times, um, you know, people will learn about what Kubernetes can do and then they start sort of digging in and it's like, ugh, you know, manifest and YAML and how much handcrafting do I have to do? So it's, it's, uh, it's good that Helm is starting to, to fill that gap. Now, 
architecturally, there's there's a bunch of different pieces that sort of make up Helm. Can you kind of walk us through, um, you know, Helm, Helm charts, uh, this concept of a, of a service called Tiller, and, and just what are the different moving pieces or terminologies that people have to have as they're, they're starting to dig into, say, Helm documentation and so forth? Yeah, so for the most part, if you're a user of Helm, you don't have to worry about Tiller, but I'll go over all the components. Um, you have Helm, which is the actual name of the project and the, the client that you use. So you'll use Helm install and then the thing you want to install. Um, a chart is the name of the packaged application or that, that representation of whatever that application might be. And it contains some default values and then templated out manifests. And uh, those are used to actually create that package that then you install. Um, then once – Tiller is more of the, the component that actually interacts with Kubernetes. And so when you start up Helm for the first time, you have to just run a simple command of Helm init. Um, if you have some RBAC things, there's some other configuration you have to do. Um, but we've enabled some flags on there to make that easier so you can just start up Tiller. But you run Helm init, and it runs Tiller in your uh, kube system namespace by default. So uh, that is then inside of the cluster and talks to the Kubernetes API server and actually creates all the objects and does all the management of the, the things that you create. So when you have your your chart, you're, you're submitting that chart with a set of values that you want to apply to that chart, and it goes to Tiller, and then Tiller takes care of actually generating out the values and creating the manifest that it submits into the, the Kubernetes API. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then there's a, there, you know, just like there is like Docker Hub, so people a lot of times will go out to Docker Hub and find, uh, you know, pre-built Docker files or, uh, you know, things from specific vendors or well-known packages. Um, there's also some places that people can go get uh, Helm charts, correct? Like Cube Apps and some other places? Yes. So the main chart repository is stored on GitHub. And actually, the all the charts are underneath are just signed tarballs that get all zipped up. Um, there's a there's That's part of the Helm command line tool, so you can actually build your own. But then um, there's been some good work by uh, the folks at Bitnami and a couple others who created uh, Monocular, which is what is in front of, which is the site uh, Cube Apps. Um, And that is actually just a browser for all of those uh, different uh, charts that are available and what you can install. And it has a searchable interface and GUI, and it's it's a really nice way um, to be able to um, actually install things in your cluster as well. If you're running it inside of your cluster, you can actually just click it and say install application. So that's that's where that comes in. It kind of gives that, that GUI view for what are the packages available. And as I said, the, one of the nice things is, and I know that a lot of people do this, uh, you can create your own custom charts. So if you have, you can either fork some of the upstream charts, which a lot of people do because there's just enough tweaking they have to do that they do it. And then you build some of your other custom applications that maybe people will deploy internally multiple times, and you can package those up to a, uh, into a chart and make your own chart repository, and then front that with with something that's very similar to KubeApps. And so you, we have kind of the public version of it, which is the kubeapps.com, and then you can also run that on your own with Monocular inside of your Kubernetes cluster. Okay, okay, that that makes sense. Now. One of the things that I've been digging into Helm a little bit is, you know, it's sort of got this this concept around it. So it's not only sort of a you know a chart or a blueprint for for an application, um, but it's evolved to to kind of have 
sort of lifecycle management built around it. So it's got the ability to, to version them, to, uh, you know, roll them back, um, delete them. So can, can you sort of talk about the, the sort of lifecycle capabilities that are, that are built around these charts or how people typically will use them, you know, from, you know, one version to another, or, you know, if something doesn't go right, how they roll them back and so forth? Yeah. So this is actually part of it. That's kind of how I got involved with Helm. I wanted to add a feature, which is one of these. Um, it's the wait flag. And as I've said before, people will either thank me or curse me for adding that flag. <laughs> um, so, but um, there is some application lifecycle management. Now we don't want it to become a full like configuration management tool that that's kind of outside of the purview of Helm as we see it right, right. now. Um, but it does have those, the, the ability to, um, roll back something or upgrade releases. And so it does that in an item potent way. So when you install something, it's called a release in, in Helm. And so you specify a certain set of values and you, and you upload it just like I said before, but then that's a release and that gets a version one. And then once you release again, it gets a version two and it actually does an update. So it'll go through and it'll only update the resources that have changed um, in your manifest and, and then push those changes out to Kubernetes. And so that also gives you the ability to go and go forward or uh, backward and then back forward if you want to with the uh, with the different releases that you have. So if you break something, you can actually just run a simple command of Helm rollback and then the previous version number, and it just rolls back to the previous manifest and set of values that you had. Uh, and so you can do that, and you can even roll back a delete. There's a way to completely delete something so you can't roll it back. Um, but most of the time, if you delete a release and say, I'm done with this, but then decide, wait, maybe I shouldn't have, you can actually roll back the delete and, and pull it back. And there's some other small small things in there like hooks, um, which allow you to define a certain set of resources that run before an install or an after an install or before an upgrade or after an upgrade. Um, you have, have hooks for each of those things that can run. They're supposed to provide basic bootstrapping capabilities. They're not meant to be a full system. There's been some discussion about how we want to evolve that and what it would look like. Um, there's an interesting one out there that I, I think is kind of cool called Stages uh, that's an open proposal, but we haven't decided on anything specific yet. But we have a lot of those, and you have some other things that can help recreate pods inside of Kubernetes. So if you want it to just delete every all the pods and let it recreate completely fresh again, um, you can do that. You can also use that wait flag, which waits for um, resources to be in a ready and running state, which is really good for CI applications because then it can wait and you be sure that the release worked properly, that things aren't in like a failed state when you when you deleted it. So that's uh, a lot of the other features that are built in there to make it a little bit nicer, especially in a, in a continuous delivery type pipeline. Yeah, that was going to be kind of my, my follow-up question is, um, you know, I, I can see where as an individual developer, um, you know, if you're, if you're interacting directly with the Kubernetes cluster, uh, you know, how you, how you might do that. Can you give us some sense um, you know, how, how does this, how, how does the, either the developer or say the Kubernetes cluster maybe interact between Helm and, and if, you know, CI is used, so Jenkins system or something like how, to, how would something like rollback uh, work in, in that type of environment or something, something similar to that? Um, well, there's actually a lot of work um, being done on this by different people. One of the things that's really interesting right now, um, the folks at Microsoft who technically now own Helm have been working on uh, Brigade and Cashti or Kashti, I'm not sure if I'm saying it properly. And uh, those are some tools that Brigade is in a, in a generic eventing system for Kubernetes. Um, and you can actually tie that in to make it a CI CD pipeline and use Kashti to view what's going on. 
Um, one of the coolest talks I saw from KubeCon was um, a demo uh, where they showed the Brigade and Kashtin were doing a full Canary release and deploy using um, some of those those tools that I had mentioned. And so um, at the upcoming Helm Summit, which, as you mentioned at the beginning, um, is, is coming up here soon, and I'm, I've been uh, helping organize that along with Michelle, we're going to have some uh, some really interesting talks on some of the CI/CD stuff about what people are doing to to make that work for them. So it's it's definitely an evolving uh, conversation right now as as people have started using that CI/CD and with Helm involved in involved in it because there's there's some gotchas and there's some things that we're trying to work around and smooth out as a community as we as we encounter these issues. And so that's going to be one of those topics we we visit at Helm Summit is to talk about what's going on with those those use cases in companies and how we can plan for the future development to maybe smooth some of those things over. Okay, that makes sense. And we'll we'll, we'll dive a little bit later in, in a few minutes into what's going on with, with Helm Summit. Um, so, you know, uh, Helm charts, you know, basically manifest of, of how I deploy into Kubernetes. Um, you know, Kubernetes has a lot of different sort of options as to how you deploy things. So whether it's a, you know, stateful set or just, you know, long running job or, you know, eventually things like batch and so forth. Like does Helm today have, does it need to have any awareness of kind of the type of application or the the controller model that's going to be going on in Kubernetes? Or um, is that sort of separate from, from what Helm typically has awareness of? So Helm is uh, pretty much can do anything with any of the types of resources that are available. The one snag right now is the um, CRD, so custom resources. Um, the issue there is that you have to be able to uh, validate the, the things coming in. So if you try to submit a CRD definition and something that's using that CRD parallel in parallel, then it doesn't work because Helm can't validate it. It's going to do a validation against the Kubernetes API first to make sure that all of your manifests are valid. And so that's the one that we have to worry about right now. And that's something that we're, we're uh, figuring out how to solve um, because it's quickly becoming kind of the accepted practice for Helm and they're still technically pretty new. And so we're now that those are kind of stabilizing, we're starting to look at how we can handle those. But for the rest of it, it doesn't matter if it's stateful or stateless or if they're batch type type things. It doesn't really matter. Um, Helm will just create it. It just makes sure that the only thing that Helm actually does is sort them in an order that we know certain things have to go first. Like if you're creating a namespace with Helm, you better create that namespace in Kubernetes first or everything else will fail. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Makes sense. And again, you know, another area for sort of evolution. Um, you know, we've, we've mentioned, um, you know, things like uh, cube apps and some things. What else you know, every time there's a there's a popular project, especially around Kubernetes or around containers, there's always, you know, then an ecosystem of of new tools that kind of come around, or or people figure out creative ways to use it. Has there been kind of a a Helm ecosystem that's evolved? You know, tools that people use to to create Helm charts, or you know, things that that kind of do neat interactions with Helm that people should go be on the lookout for. Yeah, I've seen some interesting ones and. Um, I've only used a few of them, so I'm just naming them off. I can't like state that they are awesome for me for this sure. reason, but there's things like Helm file, um, Landscaper. I know Landscaper uh, basically is that kind of configuration management idea. It, it enforces that a, a given chart is the way you expect it to be. And so it's actually using Helm underneath, but it, it, if I remember correctly, 
um, it will watch and make sure if you if it sees a change to the resources that you define there, it'll actually just reinforce the chart definition on top of it. Um, and like you said, there's kubaps. Um, there's several Helm plugins. Um, Helm has a plugin system that allow you to kind of extend that behavior of how Helm works. So there's uh, there's some of the tools inside of there as well. Um, I also saw uh, there's a couple others that have been coming out and I can't remember their names right now, but there's uh, there's several more tools that people have kind of been using to um, bridge some of the gaps or, or pain points that there are. There's um, oh there's Chart Museum, which uh, was really good because it made before you kind of just had to manage the packaging up and and uh, versioning of all your charts kind of manually the, the stuff was all there inside of helm itself to kind of to do that but there was no easy way to say hey here's a chart can you please update it and make sure it's all packaged and chart museum is a, a light api that you that gets backed by whatever type of storage you want and you can say hey here's my new chart with this version and it keeps track of all the index and all uh, uh, the index of the which versions are available and all those things all updated automatically. So that's actually a really interesting project we've seen come out. But yes, there is a kind of these tools building up around it. And it's been really interesting to see them because it shows us what are some of the things we might be able to absorb into Helm and make it a little bit easier and things that we can um, help out in the community to kind of just smooth over or um, problems that we are trying to um, resolve or um, meet specific use cases for different people. Very cool. Very cool. Listen, uh, we mentioned earlier uh, that, that there's an event coming up. I know um, you've been involved with it. Michelle's been involved with it. Uh, uh, you know, Nike and Microsoft are, are helping to sponsor it out in Portland in February called uh, Helm Summit. Can you give us a sense? Because I've been looking at the site. It's uh, it's going to be like February 21st and 22nd in Portland. So I think there's still time if people want to uh, want to go and get a ticket or, or go. Um, can you give us a sense of, of you know, kind of what are the big themes that, that you, you know, hope to see discussed or some of the big challenges or, or upcoming opportunities that you, know, you, you expect will, will kind of come out of this summit? Yeah, so there's kind of two, there's, it's following a two day, it's a two day summit. So there's the first day has a theme, the second day has a theme, the first day is going to be more of the helm user stories. But this is very much a developer conference. So it's oriented towards the what are the what are the use cases that people are using Helm for. So it helps everyone in the community understand that a bit more. So we have some interesting things coming out with how people are scaling um, Helm with different releases and how um, people are using it in the CICD, like I mentioned before. Um, and so we have a, some really interesting talks for that first day. And then the second day is actually more of a working group day. We're going to start off. So um, if you were at KubeCon or watch for any of the news, the big announcement was we're, we're starting the planning for Helm 3. Um, and so that's what day two is going to be about, is it's going to start off with some lightning talks that people submitted to pitch features for Helm and how we want Helm 3 to work. Uh, because when we when Helm 2 was made, there were certain assumptions that were made that are just no longer true. And now that the Kubernetes community has become more mature, we have to evolve to that. So these, these features are going to be discussed, and then we're going to kind of have a little bit of a an unconference and working group session for people who work on charts who are actually like building charts and then people who are working on the core helm experience to, to talk and uh, plan out what we want helm three to look like. And if helm three is going to be a thing, I mean, if for some reason the community says, no, we're going to make it work as it is, then we wouldn't do a helm three. But if, 
um, people go through and we're like, okay, these are the features we want. These are the things we're looking at and we, and we would like to help out with the Helm 3 development. That's the, those things we're hoping to get out on and tease out on uh, the second day is really decide how the future of Helm is going to go and what it, what the software will look like and how we can address some of these needs that we're seeing. So it's going to be a really interesting event. Um, we have several sponsors that are going to be coming up besides just Nike and Microsoft who have all been um, interested in, in helping out with this. So it's going to be uh, a great developer conversation, just very, very central, uh, very uh, specific to developers and how we're, how we're moving the Helm community forward. Okay. Well, that's cool. And if people maybe that, that are sort of new to this and haven't been keeping up with say versioning and so forth. Um, so we're, we're currently in some iteration of, of Helm two. What's the, what's the rough timeline or expectation for, for Helm three? So I can't promise any time yet cause we haven't decided on what it will look like and what people will be contributing. Um, we are, I think the whole community, all of us who, all of us who are involved are very committed to wanting it to happen. Um, I think we'll get a clearer view out of the Helm Summit. Then after we get that clearer view, we can discuss a specific date moving forward. Um, and that that's as far as I can go with that. I don't know much more to be able to give a good answer outside of that. We, we want it to happen sooner rather than later, and we have to get more of this information coming out of the, the Helm Summit to make that decision about how long it will take and the features that we want to deliver to give us that final answer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes, makes sense. And, and one last question before I, I let you go and we wrap this up. Um, the Helm community recently announced this sort of concept of a, of an emeritus maintainer. Um, you know, the Helm community hasn't been around for that long. Can you, can you give us some thinking as to, you know, wh- what was sort of announced and, and why was this announced? So this was a really interesting idea. Um, one that I actually really like, and I'm hoping that, um, some other open software, open source software projects can can adopt. Um, the the thinking behind this was that many of the people who started on the Helm project have moved on to other things in their careers, um, or just don't have the time anymore to work on it. Just like what happens to to anybody, um, and so we didn't want them to have to just say, "Well, we're done," and kind of just cut them off. We wanted to have these this respect for the things that people had done already. And all the work that they had contributed, because some of these these emeritus maintainers have contributed a, a large amount of code and time and resources to Helm. And so it didn't feel right to us to just kind of to say, okay, well, they're out, and then remove them from the list. So we created the idea of the emeritus core maintainer, which they don't have the responsibilities, but they, they still have their name associated with the Helm project. It's good for them. And um, they can still have that there and say, like, look, I, I did help out with Helm. You can see that it's right there. And I've since moved on to other things. And it's also um, allows us to remember all the things that those people have done. So I really like the the concept. And I thought it was a great move by uh, Matt Butcher, who kind of championed that idea and, and pitched it to us to make the community a lot more uh, friendly to, to that. Because then people don't feel so – there's not so much of that – problem of feeling like you're, you're letting someone down. You're just stepping down and stepping into this emeritus role where you don't have those responsibilities, but it allows other people to step in and, and take up those responsibilities that you've left. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. That, and, and, you know, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting approach, especially given, you know, how fast projects move and people move around from company to company and just, you know, kind of, it's a, it's a recognition that, you know, the way that we're building software is changing and we may need to, 
you know, kind of, kind of be flexible. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, like you said, don't, don't burn bridges with people that were involved with it early and, and kind of respect uh, the work that they had done. Well, listen, very, very cool. Um, let me, let me ask you this last thing. You, you've obviously been involved with, uh, you know, contri- contributing to the community, making it better. Um, you know, what sort of things do you typically recommend people that, that want to learn about Helm? You know, are there certain, certain tutorials or blogs or websites or whatever that, that you recommend to people for, for sort of learning this and, and getting uh, hands-on with it? Yeah, so the easiest way to actually, that I have found to get involved is to just jump into, there's two, uh, well, there's more than two side channels, but the two main ones for Helm itself, not for the charts, is um, Helm users and Helm dev inside the Kubernetes Slack. I mean, you can start asking around there and answering questions. Um, answering questions starts getting you used to looking at the code and understanding the issues. We also have um, issues labeled inside of the Helm repo that are, uh, I think it's a starter, or we, I can't remember the, the um, label right now, but we have them labeled as essentially as starter issues or features that you could add in. Um, and we really try to make sure we don't tag ones that are too difficult. They should be pretty simple and a good introduction to the process. Um, we also revamped how we review and um, manage the, the life cycle of those things um, about six months ago. And so we have that very clearly documented in the contributors doc. So if you go to the Helm repo, you can check out the those those labeled issues. And you can also ask inside of the Helm Slack channel. And the last thing I would recommend is jumping onto the um, Helm developer calls. It's every uh, Thursday at 9.30 Pacific time. Um, and we go through as the core maintainers and give our stand-up. We give time for anyone to present um, discussions or demos and to be there in ghost if you'd like. And uh, that's another good way to kind of track along, track with what's going on and, and feel free to jump in and get involved that way as well. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, uh, Taylor, with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Thank you so much for the time today. We really I enjoyed it, had a chance to kind of dig into Helm and, and folks, um, you know, definitely take a look at the resources uh, that are in the show notes, as well as the things that, uh, that Taylor mentioned, um, you know, lots out there. And if you're interested, you know, definitely uh, take a look at what's going on out at the Helm Summit in, in Portland here coming up in February. Uh, Taylor, with that, I want to wrap it up. I want to thank you for your time today. And folks, uh, Tyler will be back next week. And uh, for Tyler and for Taylor, uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.